Welcome to the Immigration Solutions Podcast. Immigration Solutions' strategic partnering approach with its clients has earned a reputation that speaks clearly to the necessity in today's global marketplace of delivering sound immigration legal counsel coupled with proactive business insight. This practical-focused approach enables our clients to concentrate on the core competencies of operating their businesses and produces a rewarding and productive win-win result all the way around. Immigration Solutions will design a fairly priced immigration program that works for you, whether it's providing immigration consulting, working with you on employer compliance issues, or handling your immigration case filings. Immigration Solutions' creative and flexible approach has won many accolades. Please contact us at info at immigrationsolution.net for more information. We are pleased to let you know that we will be rescheduling our Living and Working in Canada free one-hour audio conference for Monday, June 15, 2009 at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. RSVP at info at immigrationsolution.net. We will be joined by our Canadian affiliate, Ellen DeWitt, CCIC, FCMI Immigration Consultant, who will be moderating. This should prove to be a very informative call. Reserve your space now. Requiem for the L1B by Brandon Meyer, Associate and Contributing Writer. The L-1B allows companies to transfer key personnel who possess specialized knowledge of a company's products, services, research, equipment, techniques, or management, or an advanced level of knowledge or expertise in the company's processes and procedures from an overseas entity to the United States, provided that the employee has been employed at a qualifying overseas entity for at least one year in the last three years. The L-1B can be useful for companies in transferring personnel to the U.S. because the L-1B does not have annual numerical limitations like the H-1B or is not limited to nationals of certain countries that have trade and investment treaties such as the E-1, E-2, or T-N. However, a perception began to spread that companies were using, if not abusing, the relatively open nature of the L-1B program to circumvent numerical limitations of the H-1B or to import lower-paid workers in lieu of hiring American workers with higher wage expectations. Anecdotes of short-sighted PR-challenged companies sending their American workers to train workers overseas entities before laying off these same American workers who were subsequently replaced by the same overseas workers in L-1B status rose to urban legend status and helped fill hours of time on nightly cable news shows. Political pressure to do something about these abuses of the L-1B program grew louder and louder. Several proposals were advanced in Congress to fundamentally change aspects of the L-1B program, all of which failed. 
Nevertheless, not content to settle for repeated legislative failures, political pressure began to be placed, never admitted in public, on the government agency responsible for administering the L-1B program, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, or USCIS, to crack down on L-1B abuses. Major changes in the way of the L-1B program was administered began surfacing about 18 months ago, although USCIS refuses to acknowledge that anything different is happening, let alone provide practical guidance on how to prepare an L-1B petition in this new adjudications environment. Employers, employees, and their legal representatives have been outraged by this sudden shift in L-1B adjudication patterns and in the failure of USCIS to acknowledge these complaints, causing a breakdown in relations between the stakeholder community and USCIS. With political pressure from above and discontent from the stakeholder community unrelenting, no wonder the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, of which USCIS is a part, regularly scores at the bottom of surveys ranking U.S. government employee satisfaction. Perhaps the stakeholder community should have more empathy with the plight of USCIS and their difficult position, but empathy does little to ameliorate the damage that USCIS's newly restrictive approach to the L-1B is having on the business community. The restrictive approach toward L-1B program received blessings from above in July 2008 when the Administrative Appeals Office, AAO, of USCIS rendered its opinion in the so-called Matter of Sharma. Matter of Sharma is a long, complicated decision that, while not uncritical of USCIS, largely blesses the abrupt shift toward the restrictive adjudications of the L-1B. Now it seems that a company can only get an L-1B approved, if at all, after going through an intense, time-consuming process of providing reams and reams of documentation, job descriptions, proprietary technical information, job requisitions, information about the employee's past assignments and accomplishments with the overseas entity, as well as job descriptions, educational levels, and salary figures for current employees. Essentially, USCIS is requiring companies to undergo intense scrutiny in justifying routine personal transfers to unaccountable bureaucrats with little appreciation of real-world business realities. Options for Avoiding USCIS The L-1 Blanket Many large companies are able to bypass USCIS entirely and their crackdown on the L-1B program by using their approved L-1 blankets to send prospective transferees directly to a U.S. consulate abroad to apply for an L-1B. Unfortunately, not every company qualifies for blanket petition approval. To be eligible, a company must 1. Be engaged in commercial trade or services 2 have an office in the U.S. that has been doing business for one year or more, three, have at least three or more domestic or foreign branches, subsidiaries, or affiliates, and four, have at least 10 L-1 approvals over the prior 12 months, or have an annual sales in the U.S. of at least $25 million, or have a U.S. workforce of at least 1,000 employees. Nevertheless, companies that fulfill the above requirements should look into obtaining a blanket approval if they have not already done so as one way to avoid the newly restrictive approach of the USCIS.
the HB or the H1B. Curiously, the H1B is often overlooked as an alternative to the L1B. This is largely due to the fact that the annual limitation of 65,000 new H1B approvals has been oversubscribed in recent years. However, H-1B filings have decreased this year, leaving approximately 18,000 H-1B number left for the remainder of the U.S. government fiscal year 2010, which ends September 30, 2010. With greater availability of H-1Bs at the present time, companies thinking about transferring overseas personnel to the United States may wish to first consider the efficacy of an H-1B prior to moving forward with an L-1B. E-1s and E-2s. E-1 treaty trader and E-2 treaty investor visas may be available as an alternative to the L-1B whenever a company is at least 50% owned by nationals of a country having a trade and investment treaty with the United States. Please contact us at Immigration Solutions for a list of countries whose nationals qualify for either the E-1 or E-2 visas and for a discussion of the types of positions that qualify for the E-1 or E-2 visa issuance. TNs. Now available for three-year increments, the TN may also present a viable alternative to an L-1B, although TNs are only available to Canadian and Mexican nationals for a set list of occupations. Please contact us at Immigration Solutions for a list of occupations that may qualify for a TN. Conclusion. The current problems with the L-1B program are frustrating, but are likely to be temporary once the U.S. economy recovers, pol politicians and ratings-chasing cable news shows lose interest, and the USCIS grows tired of being the object of stakeholder discontent. Until this happy moment arrives, companies filing L-1B petitions need to be prepared for difficulty and be willing to provide a multitude of documentation upon request by USCIS or consider alternatives to the L-1B. For more information on this story, head to ImmigrationSolution.net and review our June 2009 newsletter. Predictions, Employment-Based Visa Numbers Chief of Immigrant Visa Control and Reporting Division at DOS, Charles Oppenheim, was a guest speaker at a May 20, 2009 American Immigration Lawyers Association meeting, AILA. Mr. Oppenheim's explanations and visa number, visa bulletin expectations for the remainder of the fiscal year 2009 and for fiscal year 2010 are referenced below. Visa Usage Mr. Oppenheim stated that immigrant visa applications at U.S. consulates are down 7% from fiscal year 2008. India will use all the visa numbers that are available to its nationals this fiscal year. This is due in part to huge increases in the usage of EB4 and EB5 categories. Applicants from India have twice used the number of visas estimated for fiscal year 2009. Mr. Oppenheim stated that because of excess demand, further retrogression may occur over the summer months. What will EB movement look like in the coming months? EB1 visa numbers will be used before the end of fiscal year 2009. 
This may result in the establishment of a cutoff date for the EB1 categories for India and China beginning in August or September 2009. Usage in the EB1 worldwide category is also higher than expected. This may lead to a cutoff date toward the end of fiscal year 2009. Employment based second preference, EB2. EB2 category worldwide is also expected to be oversubscribed and will exhaust all allocated visa numbers before the end of fiscal year 2009. To date, Mr. Oppenheim estimates that 3,200 EB2 India visa numbers have been used in the fiscal year 2009. The high usage in the EB1 category has prevented the usual trickle of visas used in the EB2 category. Thus, China will experience the same EB2 retrogression as India in July 2009. The EB2 China cutoff date is expected to be set at January 1, 2010. Employment based third preference, EB3. All EB3 categories are currently unavailable. All available visa numbers have been allocated. No change is expected to occur until the beginning of fiscal year 2010. Visa numbers for Indian nationals. Mr. Oppenheim has set the cutoff date for EB2 India at January 1, 2000. According to the current estimates, out of the approximately 200,000 I 485 applications currently pending with the USCIS, 120,000 of them are chargeable to India, with the cases divided evenly between EB2 and EB3. This means that EB2 and EB3 India applicants count for 60% of the I 485 cases currently pending with the USCIS. Predictions. Oppenheim stated that he expects the EB3 worldwide category to have a cutoff date of March 1, 2003, beginning with the October 2009 bulletin. When asked about the potential cutoff dates for EB3, India, China, and Mexico, Mr. Oppenheim said that it would depend on the demand for the, these categories over the rest of fiscal year 2009. Further, he estimated that there are currently 25,000 EB2 and EB3 cases from Indian nationals that have been reviewed and that are only waiting for visa numbers for final processing. He stated that due to the dramatic increase in the employment based filings, visa cutoff dates for fiscal year 2010 will be much more limited to ensure that there will be a steady supply of visa numbers available throughout the year. This will lead to earlier cutoff dates and may help prevent visa categories from becoming unavailable. For more information on this story, head to immigrationsolution.net and review our July, excuse me, our June 2009 newsletter. What's new in healthcare? Finally, H-1Bs for healthcare occupations clarified by USCIS by Tom Joy, Supervising Attorney. On May 20, 2009, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, USCIS, issued a memorandum that finally resolves the issue of whether a physical therapist, PT, or an occupational therapist, OT, is required to have a master's degree in order to qualify for an H-1B visa. 
Based on a recently added ambiguous statement in the U.S. Department of Labor Occupational Outlook Handbook that a master's degree was preferred for the occupations of PT and OT, the USCIS started to deny H-1B petitions filed on behalf of PTs and OTs even though they had bachelor's degrees and state licenses in the state of intended employment, all of which had been acceptable in the past for H-1B petition approval. The memorandum properly places the focus on the licensing requirements of the state of intended employment and not on whether the position requires or the person has a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. If the person has a valid license to practice as a PT or OT in the state of intended employment, then the USCIS should not look beyond the license. The person will be considered to meet the qualifications to perform an H-1B specialty occupation. This applies regardless of whether the person has a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree. A person with an unrestricted license is entitled to approval of the H-1B for up to three years. A person with a restricted license, for example, a license improved except for mandatory supervised practice, is entitled to approval of the H-1B for one year or the duration of the restricted license, whichever is longer. If a person does not have a valid license to practice as a PT or OT in the state of intended employment, even if the person has a valid license from another state, then the USCIS must ascertain the licensing requirements, including educational degree requirements, for the state of intended employment. If the person is otherwise qualified for a license except for the state-required Social Security card, valid immigration document, and or physical presence in the United States, then the person is entitled to approval of the H-1B for one year in order to facilitate the state's issuance of a license. In order to get an extension of the H-1B beyond one year, it must be shown that a valid, unrestricted license has been issued. H-1B cap subject cases can still be filed while the annual quota remains available for employment starting date of October 1, 2009. H-1B cap exempt cases, of course, can be filed at any time. Please contact Immigration Solutions with any questions or to set up a telephone conference to personally discuss your specific needs. For more information on this story, head to ImmigrationSolution.net and review our June 2009 newsletter. In Focus for Human Resource Professionals This month we'd like to recommend a book, Jack Welch's Winning. Reading this plain-language, high-energy book is like getting a playbook of the Super Bowl champions before the game. It's a huge head start on how to master the corporate game from the entry level to the corporate suites. This is a quote from Tom Brokaw, and we agree. Welch is a master. Chapter 6 on Hiring Excuse me, Chapter 6 on Hiring, What Winners Are Made Of, is worth the price of the whole book. Here is a brief excerpt. Hiring good people is hard. Hiring great people is brutally hard, and yet nothing matters more in winning than getting the right people on the field. All the clever strategies and advanced technologies in the world are nowhere near as effective without great people to put them to work. Welch gives you the acid tests and the 4E and 1P framework. 
This is terrific stuff and we're not going to give that away. You will love this book, so go get it today. closing, we'd like to take the opportunity to say thank you to those of us who listen to our monthly podcast. We are here because of you, so let this be your forum, too. What would you like to know more about, and what would make the immigration issues you face on a daily basis easier? Let us hear from you. Info at immigrationsolution.net. We thank you for listening and hope that you'll tune in next month.